0: journey is unique for everyone. It is time to figure out our new normal and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast with Jen Cochran because surviving is just at the beginning. Welcome to episode six, I'm Jen Cochran. My guest this week is an entrepreneur and ruby ribbon stylist by day and by night, as well as a wife and full-time mother to a 15-year-old daughter and 18-year-old son. Andrea Levy-Itkin also conquered cancer. Having been monitored for a goiter, Hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's disease for almost six years. Andrea was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2015. With the support of her family and a calming, reassuring endocrinologist and surgeon, she was treated in September of 2015 and has been cancer free for almost three and a half years. In my family, I have a couple of relatives, actually, as well as my husband, who have gone on a thyroid cancer journey. Definitely an interesting process. So welcome, Andrea, and thank you so much for joining me today to share your story. Oh, thank you for having me. So I
1: know when you and I first met, we, we were talking about the things that I'd gone through and the things you had gone through, and I shared with you that I am a, a thyroid cancer survivor. My journey through this is co- probably a little different than a lot of people. My mother passed away almost 30 years ago from uh, lymphoma and colon cancer. So cancer, unfortunately, has always been a part of our family since I was 15 when she was originally diagnosed with lymphoma. Because of that, my sister and I have been hypersensitive to uh, making sure that we don't get either lymphoma or colon cancer. Ironically, two years after uh, my mother passed away, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. A lot of times when the father has prostate cancer, that can lead to breast cancer, cervical cancer, uterine cancer for women. I was always kind of focused on the whole, making sure my breasts were okay and my internal organs. Lo and behold, about 10 years ago, I hurt my back and had to go to a spine specialist. They did an MRI. And when he was going over the MRI with me, he was showing me what the issue was in my spine. And then he said to me, "Um, okay, we're done with that. Now I need to talk to you about your thyroid. And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? And he showed me on the MRI, my thyroid. And he said, you know, this should be more of a butterfly looking, you know, gland. And what it, it looks like on you is a seahorse. He said, you have, it looks like you have a growth on your thyroid. And I think you need, he said, but I'm a spine specialist. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think you need to go see your doctor. So, um, I left there pretty shaken up and went, uh, to my doctor's office. Um, he had called over and made an appointment for me. So they saw me that same day and she said, yeah, I think you need to see an endocrinologist. So I went and saw an endocrinologist. I don't remember anymore if it was right away or a week or two later, whenever I could get in.
0: Yeah, that's definitely not an easy process. (laughs) No,
1: no. And saw this very nice older gentleman, doctor, you know, he felt my thyroid and he did an ultrasound or, and, you know, and he said, yes, you know, your thyroid, you definitely have a goiter. And he sent me for a biopsy and the biopsy, you know, came back negative. That was, um, the biopsy at that point was probably the most frightening part. Uh, I was alone. We Had just moved here. My kids were very small. I was terrified. Thankfully, that came back negative. But I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. Remained under the care of that same doctor, endocrinologist, for the next six years. The last two years with him, I started to question what he was telling me. It just everything's fine, everything's fine, and I kept saying it. It felt like it was getting larger. I'm more aware of it. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And I kept saying, well, shouldn't we do another ultrasound? And, 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 you know, I would get, you know, Mrs. Zitkin, if you don't have faith in me, then maybe you should see someone else, which of course made me feel like I was, you know, being bad. My husband changed jobs and our insurance changed and that first endocrinologist no longer took our insurance. So that forced the issue for me to see another doctor at that point, my primary care doctor, who I had a very good relationship with, said, you know what? I want you to go see somebody really good. And she sent me, can I say the name of the doctor?
0: If you would like to, yeah. certainly.
1: Dr. Tannen in, um, you know, Dr. love
0: Dr. Tannen. We love Dr. <laughs> Tannen.
1: Dr. Tannen, as you know, is the best in the area. He and is. I got in to see him two weeks later at the first meeting with him, you know, how he leads you into the office and you, you talk for a few minutes. Then he took, took me into the exam room and he felt my, you know, my, my thyroid. And he told me, he said, I, I, I don't like the way that feels. I want to do an ultrasound. And he did an ultrasound and he looked at me and said, I, I don't like the way it looks. I want you to have a, a biopsy as soon as possible. And I said, well, like in the next month, and he said, no, within the next couple of days. And I said, how concerned are you? He's, I said, you know, how concerned are you? And he said, extremely. So having just met this guy, you know, five minutes earlier, (laughs) that's a little scary. Got an appointment for the needle biopsy. Ironically, it was the same radiologist performing it that had performed it at that point. It was now seven years earlier, I guess, seven, eight years earlier. I kind of knew the process. My husband was with me. They drew the fluid and said, okay, we're going to go, you know, analyze it and we'll be back in a little bit. And within a minute, they were back in and said, you know, I'm sorry, it, it's cancer. So that started, you know, that journey. And, you know, they reassured me that it was not life threatening. They reassured me that I was going to be okay. My husband and I had a lifetime trip planned to Italy that we had been planning for over a year uh, for my 50th birthday. And I was ready to cancel it. And they said, no, don't cancel it. Go. Go. Because A, we can't get you in for surgery and B, there's no reason for you not to. Unfortunately, that doesn't account for the mental capacity that Absolutely. you know, as you're walking through Italy going, is this going to be my only opportunity because I'm going to be dead soon? Or, you know, it's hard to really relax once you know that that's in your body.
0: Yeah. And the word cancer on its face is very
1: Very scary,
0: very scary, especially we all come to it from our own perspective and your perspective was quite frightening Mm -hmm. as you were, were sharing your family history in the beginning. Yeah. The thing that came up for me was how amazing is it? The advances that have happened in managing all those types of cancers. It's so different now. Than it was back in that time, but it's still it's still scary. It's scary to hear.
1: It's yeah. It's very frightening. And you know, as people found out, they were very supportive, very kind. It's funny because people are always trying to make you feel better and saying what they think is the right thing. Maybe you know what's coming, but when people would say to me, "Oh, you got the good cancer," I wanted to throttle them because they're is no such thing as good cancer. I didn't have a little wart that turned a funny color and was going to get it. I I had to go through significant surgery and have my throat sliced open. And there are chances that, I mean, they're slim, but you could lose your voice. There are are lots of dangerous things that could happen. But I got put in touch with a phenomenal surgeon, although I think I drove him a little crazy. Um, He did a great job. And I did have the surgery. Um, It was about six weeks from the time of diagnosis to the time of surgery. It was definitely the surgery was more frightening than the cancer because I did on, on the one level really believe that the cancer was not going to get me, so to speak. Again, my kids were still fairly young. Just the idea of going under anesthesia and slicing my neck open, you know, what if, what if the doctor sneezed? What if there was a blackout and I got too much anesthesia? What if somebody fell asleep and didn't, you know, I mean, yes, watch too much TV, but you know, those are the thoughts that go through your mind.
0: And it's Um, definitely stressful. I mean, even the most Zen person, I think as you're getting ready to go through whatever you're getting ready to go through and as the person on the other side. So when my husband was diagnosed, well, he also had Hashimoto's and Mm -hmm. had he had multiple goiters that Mm -hmm. he had had biopsy many years ago. And with Hashimoto's, it's really common for that thyroid to get enlarged it's naturally more enlarged than another person's thyroid we actually didn't think there was anything other than the Hashimoto's going on because he had had the biopsies years ago and 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 it was that yeah yeah. Yeah, that was so so interesting very similar very similar.
1: similar and my father has Hashimoto's has had thyroid disease my entire life he has Hashimoto's my niece has Hashimoto's my daughter now has Hashimoto's. My son has hypothyroidism. So it's, you know, definitely a genetic link. Got the thyroid out, tried to go through kind of that whole process with some humor. Um, the last thing I remember before the surgery was laying in the the OR and, you know, with the big layup overhead. And I'm thinking to myself, this is very Gray's Anatomy. And <laughs> they're taking, you know, and I was higher as a, a you kite know, on the the pre-meds and stuff. And they started to do roll call and, you know, scrub nurse here, anesthesiologist here. And they went through everybody and there was like 20 people in the room. And then it got very
0: quiet. I remember screaming,
1: patient here. And that was the last, that's the last thing I remember. So I have a, I have
0: a funny thing with the surgery as well. So I had three surgeries Mm -hmm. and the first one they said, so we're going to, we're going to give you something in your drip before we roll you back. And then when we get there, you're going to see the doors open. It's going to be really bright and we're going to roll you in and people are going to swarm around you. And that might be the last thing you see. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time they prepped me in that manner. They rolled me back. I saw the doors open, I saw the bright light, and that was it. I didn't see another thing. So then when I had my port put in, Uh they had to actually do an adjustment to my first surgery because I didn't have a clear margin. Uh I went in to have my port put in, no one prepped me for what I was going to see, but that time I got to the point where I saw the people swarm around me, and then I didn't remember anything after that. The third time was for my reconstruction and to have my port taken out. I had them done at the same time. So my port was coming out first. They roll me. I see the bright light. They roll me in. The people swarm around me. They're moving me to the table and my doctor walks in. And I said, this is not okay. I should not be seeing you. (laughs) And she said, you won't remember when you wake up. And the first thing I said to the nurse when I woke up, tell her I remember having a conversation and she just started laughing it's disconcerting though because like it was so much better to just see the bright light and not remember anything else yeah
1: I remember when when I first saw the bright light as they rolled me in I remember thinking did I die is this heaven because you know they always say go towards the light go towards the light and I because nobody told me about the bright light and I was laying there You know, as they're rolling you in and you're seeing these lights after light. I'm like, oh my God, maybe
0: I died. You know, (laughs) mommy, are you there? You know, it's a surreal experience. It's a very
1: surreal experience. The the surgery is, as you know, with your husband, it's, it's taxing. You know, it's a better surgery than what you had to go through or plenty of other people go through with other things but it's still
0: it's a, different though it's
1: different and you can't it's
0: really draw the comparisons one to the yeah, other and our all our journeys are
1: Well that's the thing my, I it's interesting because I had a conversation the day before my surgery and I opened up to somebody she was listening and she had a family member that was going through their journey with breast cancer she was definitely of the belief that This other person's journey was more significant than mine. And, you know, the other person was going through something worse and she really couldn't be there for me the way that I needed her to be. And and that was really kind of bizarre to me. I, I remember saying to her, you know, everybody's journey with cancer is their journey. Whether mine is terminal or not doesn't make it any less frightening. And I have children that I need to wake up for the same that she does. It's, it is a very individual thing. I, I remember watching an episode of Oprah years ago and I don't remember what the episode was about, but she said something that has stuck with me for years. She said, you know, knowledge is power that has stuck with me. And it's something I've said to my kids on everything from making good fo- food choices to what college you're going to go to, to, you know, to, to anything in life. Knowledge is power. Fast forward, you know, two and a half months later I had to do the iod- the radioactive iodine pill that with itself brought a whole other level of anxiety and fear
0: what did and that look like for you
1: what the pill or uh,
0: just the process of that
1: the professionals I think did a great job of explaining to me what to expect but in my mind I kept saying they're leaving something out it, it can't be this easy it can't be this simple
0: oh i don't know that it's necessarily easy it's very but, straightforward yes very did, you, did you do the three-week iodine fast
1: yeah well yeah <laughs> over halloween no less oh dear fun because i wanted everything done prior to thanksgiving yeah but but yeah no easy in the sense that i didn't have to go and get chemotherapy i didn't have to go get a, a port put in it. you know but the the process is it's not a difficult it's not a difficult process it's emotionally hard but it's not difficult.
0: How long did you need to be in quarantine?
1: Well originally it was I was told a week then they shortened it to three to five days and then on like day four I could kind of go around the house.
0: It's interesting because a friend of mine also went through she had the opposite of of Hashimoto's which is escaping me right now what that is but when she had to be in quarantine, she was in quarantine for two weeks mm-hmm. oh. and in your in your case, they were thinking a week. Um, my husband had had went through the same process last June. he only needed to be in quarantine for three days. That's great, and I know how a challenge and they actually said, "Oh, um, you know." When you get up in the morning, you can basically go out and do whatever you need to do. Like the third day, Mm. really the first, the day you get the treatment, the next two days are really the more important ones. And he had to be six feet away from, so we have a lot of pets. Mm -hmm. So we had to be six feet away from the door where a pet might, or a wall where I might pass by or a pet might pass by. Oh, they didn't
1: tell me that. They they just said, keep the dog, you know, don't let the dog lick you. The bigger issue was my husband drove me there. Coming home, I had to sit in the back seat on top of sheets with a towel up between us. <laughs> so I was silly, but I, I, was, I was very freaked out by that whole process. But we have a very large bedroom. So You know the kids and my husband set it up for me beforehand. They brought, you know, when the baby's rockers, you know, that we still the gliding comfortable Mm -hmm. chair up to the bedroom, covered that all in sheets and towels. They got a plastic table, set that up. We borrowed a mini fridge from a neighbor so I could have stuff to get my, you know, for myself versus my husband having to put a tray outside the door and my, you know, going for it. Um, My sister sent me a lot of things to pass the time. Downton Abbey was uh, Netflix, so I watched the entire series. What oh, one? I watched one season a day for six days. And at the end of it, I was like, what do you mean I got to come out? Now I got to cook and I got to <laughs> clean and I got to go shopping. This is kind of nice. So not that I would want to have to go through that again for the reason that I went through it, but it's kind of nice checking out for a few days and everybody else has to take care of everything. And no matter how much you know the kids are fighting. I can't get involved that that turned out to be surprisingly gentle the almost. silver
0: lining yeah silver.
1: that was that was the silver lining and then to have thanksgiving be two weeks later, my sister and her family traveled from Boston to be with us. Um, because I said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I just want to be in my own home. You know, we cooked the meal as a family, and and that was that was really nice. And very good friends joined us. And the first six month marker, that was pretty frightening. You know, what what if they missed something? What if there's what if something grew back? What if there's thyroid tissue found in my breast or found, you know, in my. In my, uh, you know, cervix or something, you know, that, so that was scary. I am now three and a half years out, much more comfortable, and walking into Dr. Tannen's office does not result in breaking out into a sweat and heart palpitations. I no longer have high blood pressure when, you know, when I step in that office. The downside is. Losing weight has become even more difficult than it was before. Sleep is very interrupted. The upside is I now have curly hair, which I did not have before. We've concluded that between menopause and the radioactive iodine, I'm now a curly head, um, which <laughs> I don't mind. Because if it if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, nobody knows because it's curly. So, right?
0: Yeah, um, I can relate to that. I yeah. started out with curly hair. Um, my hair got darker after my treatment so i have less gray than i had before i had uh definitely more gray Uh so we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here and then i'll be back with andrea levy itkin okay stay with us enjoying the cancer cliff notes podcast come on over to the facebook group where you can join the community and participate in the conversation during the week i hope to see you there now back to the show Welcome back. I'm here with Andrea Levy-Itkin, and we are talking about her thyroid cancer journey. One of the very interesting things and one of the my core reasons for doing this podcast is I think in as much as we're all different, even with the same cancer, our bodies are different and process things differently. Across all cancers, there's different threads of consistency that I hear coming up with people. And one of the things I noticed in my journey was... The relationships and how people that I thought might show up didn't show up and how other people who I would never have imagined would show up Mm -hmm. just were so strong in Mm -hmm. how they showed up. And you had sort of alluded to that earlier yeah. In talking about your your friend comparing it to someone else. And I think even within breast cancer, there's people who are fortunate enough to have early detection and be able to have surgery. And not that the surgery is insignificant at all. I've had many surgeries myself, but just that whole component of they didn't have to do chemo or they didn't have to do radiation, or we have all these choices in the spectrum. And it looks different for absolutely everyone. And at the same time, everyone has an opinion oh yeah and in a lot of cases not based on anything. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a curious thing to navigate. People hear me say very frequently that I spent more time propping up other people and making them feel better about my journey than than I actually did focusing on my own journey. Uh-huh. Which is a curious thing as well. Yeah. It was
1: it was important for me to support my children because they're children. Yeah. And my husband was was very present and very there for me, but he's quiet and kind of stoic. He did all the right things. He didn't say a lot, which we had a conversation about afterwards. And he felt, you know, like I had slapped him across the face because I I said, you know, it didn't feel like you were really there some of the times. And he's like, how can you say that? I was, I, I went to every appointment and, you know, it's the nature versus nurture thing. It's the emotional versus the physical. He absolutely took incredible care of me and of the kids. And he was there for me in the way Way that he could be there for me you know people aren't always there for you in the way that you want them to be and then like you said there are people that completely you had no clue these people were going to show up you know and then there are people that I thought would be so front and center and I never heard from you know the, one of the nicest things is one of our neighbors who I'm casually friendly with at the time arranged for a group of moms that we all know each other I wouldn't say I was great friends with any of them but friendly and certainly at the bus stop for many years they they arranged something and they called Stuart to make sure I could come out of the bedroom, even though I couldn't come to them. And they all met at this woman's house. They made me homemade Gutwell cards, like kids do, with a lot of wine. I did not have to get to partake in the wine. And then they came quiet. I mean, I was upstairs in the bedroom behind a closed door, so I didn't even know anybody was there. And Stuart said, you know, you really need to stretch your legs. Why don't you just come to the top of the stairs, you know, get, get you out of that room, get a little fresh air. When I came to the top of the stairs, they were all in our front hall and they serenaded me. Oh, that's so sweet. That was really sweet and brought me, you know, flowers and cards and candy and stuff. So that, that was really, really, really touching. Another neighbor set up a meal chain and coordinated it between my neighborhood and my tennis team. So for two and a half weeks, we had meals delivered every day. So my husband didn't have to play, you know, mother, father and cook. That was really nice. And those were all really unexpected. And my tennis team brought me presents and called and texted, and that was all, you know, very very unexpected and and very that's very nice you know after the surgery i couldn't drive for i think it was two weeks i wasn't allowed to drive my son is a performer and one of the other moms who has a daughter that performed with him who i barely knew said do you need me to take you anywhere do you need a ride and ended up she took me to get my hair cut nobody else was around i thought okay she said she wanted to help so i called and said you know i hate to ask you this but and she said i'll I'll be there tomorrow at two Spent her afternoon carting me up to ashburn and back. So, you know, people I've learned from that, from my journey that when people offer to do something that you have to take them at face value and you have to, if somebody offers something and it was not a sincere offer, shame on them. Now I'm going to take them up on
0: it. Well, and I think it's our instinct to not be a bother. We don't want to be a bother. We have a real challenge, I think, in society right now, doing it on our own, Mm -hmm. not needing other people. I really hope to highlight the message, other people is really where it's at. Even in the communication lesson of how we ask for what we need, Mm -hmm. we're not good at receiving help. Exactly. We're not good at saying, I need help with X. Yeah. Even in terms of food. Yep. The way that you talked about that, you were like, oh, it was great because my husband didn't have to do it. It was yeah. more right. about being for your husband and your kids, but it really was for you.
1: What did Hillary Clinton say? It takes a village. You know? Yeah. And it does. And it's not just about raising kids. And it's not just about, you know, when somebody has surgery or life, it takes it takes a village. You know, people help and you gotta let them.
0: Absolutely. It's so important to allow ourselves to be open to receive what people offer. One of the things that I'm getting ready to post in the podcast Facebook page as a download is a list of ideas, how to give and receive help. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from I saw your, your dog walking around there. I needed someone to take the dogs out in the middle of the day. because mm-hmm. My husband was working. He wasn't close. A neighbor worked close to the house and came home for lunch every day, would stop by and take the dogs out in the yard for Mm -hmm. two minutes to give them a break during the day so that I didn't, it was July, it was hot, it Mm -hmm. was 100 degrees outside. I was wrapped in bandages for the first several days. I wasn't able to walk them on a leash. And just having that need met was such a blessing. Oh, yeah. Often people will say, let me know if I can help you. And we don't know what is beneficial. Mm -hmm. So having just some ideas. Right. And I absolutely love that your girlfriends made you cards. Yeah came over and sang to you like that's uh, that's so unique and amazing I love that yeah just that that community and that support I also think that when we go on these journeys it's a lesson in communication as well one of my friends calls it the cancer card she can be more bold in what she Mm -hmm. says because she's been through this cancer journey so and I was talking with another survivor earlier and she said her husband says she has a much higher bs meter She detects it really quickly and doesn't put up with it. (laughs)
1: Detects it and dismisses it. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I think I'm a little bolder and a little less of a pushover now. Cancer is a slap across the face. And one of my friends said to me recently about something completely different. When God is sending you a message, that things need to change. He sends you a message and if you don't receive it, he sends you another message a little bit louder and then he sends it another little bit louder. So I think cancer is about as loud as it can get.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) You know,
1: it, it it makes you look at things differently. And you know, on the one hand I survived cancer, I can survive anything. And on the other hand, I survived cancer. I'm not putting up with anything.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And it's all go away. Yeah, for sure. And it's really beautiful to be able to take the journey and have one of the lessons be this deeper level of communication within our relationships. My husband was amazing and absolutely there for everything. Doctor's appointments, bringing me to things that I couldn't drive, just all the things. And he is a bit like your husband in that he's more quiet and reserved. We all communicate differently differently. And to be able to say, hey, this is what I need in this moment. Is that something you can provide? Or to say, this is what I need in this moment. And I'm going to call this person because this matches their style and that's going to work for them. And I can get that support. You're absolutely supporting me in this way. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful and appreciated. And I'm going to get this little bit of support over here in this way for which kind of speaks to everybody's need but also gives you an opportunity to tap into oh how can how can we deepen that relationship and communication right because a lot of times we're just in it and we're in the day-to-day and we're humans yeah we're fortunate we are in our strengths a lot I had a friend one day say my wife's driving me crazy. I'm home alone all day. Cause he works from home uh-huh. and he's like, and then she comes home and I'm trying to tell her stuff and she doesn't hear me. And I said, you know, we're a lot alike, aren't we? We're very extroverted. You know, we talk our stuff out I, I bet your wife's a lot like my husband and they're out with people all day long. And then they come home and they don't want to people anymore. Mm-hmm. And what do we do? We like barrage them with the 800 things that have been going on in our day. And it's so fabulous. And, and they're not hearing us because they stopped peopling 20 minutes ago and they're not available. Right. right. <laughs> and there have been so many times where my husband comes in and I'm like, blu, 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 and then I just walk away. Yeah. And I don't think anything of it other than, oh yeah, I'm trying to tell him my thing and he's not peopling right now. Yeah. Like I just accept that for him That's, that's
1: my husband too.
0: And it was... So funny because as I was making that example to him, he sort of, my friend, sort of like dropped his head and was like, You know, I've been married to her for 25 years and I never thought of it that way. Yep. And I was like, We're just different. Like, we just have different styles and different needs. I was, so just walk away because she didn't hear you. Like, she's not going to be offended. She wasn't Mm. listening. (laughs) Don't be offended. It wasn't intentional. Right. And then just come back later and be like, hey, I want to tell you this cool thing. Are you, like, peopling now? (laughs) (laughs) But if we can open up other means of communication. There's so many like little nugget of of beauty and learning that come unexpectedly out of our journey.
1: True, very true.
0: So you were sharing something with me earlier. I really loved you were sharing, I think it was today even, that you were out to lunch with some friends and this part of your journey was something that they weren't aware of about you. Right,
1: yeah, breakfast, yeah, yeah. So it was... It was eye opening when I they said, you know, what are you doing later today and I told them and they said, "Well, why are, why is she interviewing you?" and I said, "Well, since you know, I'm a thyroid cancer survivor." And and they all five of them were like, "What are you talking about?" They had no idea, and it surprised me that I hadn't mentioned it before. So it kind of showed me that I've grown past I don't, I don't want to say victim because I never I don't think I ever presented like a victim, but that it's it's no longer the first chapter of my story or the current chapter of my story. I guess that's the best way of putting it. You know, it's now in the middle of the book.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. That's beautiful. I love for you to share how people can connect with you. They
1: can reach me through email at andrea at itkin-mail.com andrea at itkin-mail.com or on my cell phone, which is 603-689-3858. Or they can always go on my website, which is rubyribbon.com forward slash Andrea Levy Itkin, all one word, and uh, Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A-L-E-V-Y-I-T-K-I-N.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you for for having me, and I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their day and their journey. If I can be of help, I would be more than happy to, to do so.
0: Thanks to Andrea for sharing her story today. I love that idea that knowledge is power. I'm definitely a gatherer of knowledge. This week's Personal Consciousness Minute has to do with knowledge and how we communicate what we need. We all have different styles and communication preferences, which can create challenging situations, often without realizing why. In order to get what we need, we have to ask. My challenge for this week is to ask for help. As a society, we've become overly reliant on independence. The reality is we're healthier when we have the village Andrea referred to. What is one thing that you could use help with to lighten your load? Now go and ask for it. This communication thing seems really straightforward, when really it can be pretty complex. I would love for you to share your thoughts on how it felt to ask for support over in the Cancer Cliff Notes Facebook group. Join me next week when I'll be talking with the extraordinary Elaine Gibson. Thanks for listening and have a great week.